Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. Uh, no, no humble brag here, but I just got back from the gym. So, you know, <laughs> if I'm a, l- a little out of breath, that's yeah. uh, that's why. Yeah, you've been lifting all those weights, getting ready for the 2022 Briar potentially. You know, we gotta gotta lift those weights. Uh, it's what we do in the off season to keep prepared, stay sure. uh, ready for the task. So, so yeah, you know, uh, just making sure all my bases are covered. That's good. Got to be well prepared, especially, hey, Scott, the way we're playing. Maybe we have a chance. I don't know. Yeah, we do, Sean. You're, uh, what, four in a row now? Four in a row on the Monday League at the Ottawa Curling Club. Uh, by no small part because of the people in front of me, I have played very poorly the last two <laughs> games, and yet we've won. Yeah, I thought you were uh, throwing the game last night to <laughs> not, not skip anymore. Yeah, so we do a skip to lose situation, and yeah, I've gotten very fortunate uh, that the team has played well and that uh, the other team has not played well the past couple of weeks. But uh, there was one moment, Scott, uh, you told me this afterwards, where I had an open draw for two in one end, or two or three, or so I don't even remember. Uh, or no, it was two, because the uh, opposing third said to you as I was going down, because uh, I didn't talk to you about the shot, it was very obvious, Mm-hmm. And uh, she just said, oh, okay, so one yellow. And you said, no, no, we still got one left. But yeah, probably one yellow. But, pro- but probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I had already missed draws uh, for extra points uh, in that game. And yet we won eight to three and they shook early. I have no idea how this is happening. No idea, Sean. And the no. same for the week before. Like, uh, I was better this week than last week. I think last week I made three of 16 shots. You this were, week I yes. think I made like five or six of 14. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and definitely uh, had at least one beauty, like come around, tap to yeah. sit one just on the button. That that was a pistol. Yeah, and they scored that end. Yeah, they made <laughs> they made a run back to <laughs> yeah. negate it, but it was still a good shot. That's a dumb sport, but we love it anyway. <laughs> so uh, this week is the week, Scott, where curling kind of went off the rails a little bit. Uh, this is a very strange week coming off the high of the Canadian Olympic curling trials of the European championship. Things went absolutely bonkos in the sport this week. Like what, what is going on? You're a meteorologist. Does this have anything to do with like the tides or the weather or like what, what is happening? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man. It, you know, after that uh, Olympic trials are done, things go crazy. We, <laughs> had uh you know you came over on on sunday we watched some football went to a christmas market uh as all this stuff was happening yeah. uh you know over the weekend i don't know i don't know what the <laughs> heck's going on it it took us this long we're recording on wednesday after this has all happened we it, it took us this long just to wrap our heads around everything that's going on yeah so uh that should tell you how how crazy it was yeah pretty crazy also lots of lots of events going on it's just there's there's so much news, so much happening. Yeah, very big time in the world of curling. So we're going to do a quick wraparound of everything that's been going on, starting with something that in terms of the podcast environment, this will be the only place where you'll hear people talk about it because everyone else has already done shows this week, uh, is the Continental <laughs> Cup. It was canceled today. The Continental Cup scheduled for January in Fredericton 
It was canceled. The reason cited by Curling Canada for the cancellation was the difficulty of travel for the European teams to come to Fredericton, the need for a quarantine period, and just all the uncertainty associated with the new Omicron variant of COVID-19. So Fredericton, which was previously scheduled to host the 2020 Canada Cup, which of obviously was canceled. They are now out the 2021 Continental Cup. So congratulations to Fredericton for being awarded the 2022 Continental or the 2023 Continental Cup. Uh, congratulations to you folks out there. Or maybe the 2022 Canada Cup if that hasn't been announced yet, but they'll get something. Uh, they'll get one of those mm-hmm. two events in the near future. Don't know if it'd be a Briar or a Scotty's, if, if that'd be a good fit for Edmonton. It'd be fun if it was, but uh, they'll certainly get something else. Uh, but Scott, I, the thing that, that strikes me about this cancellation, one, it's a bummer and very disappointing. I like the Canada Cup. I think it's a cool, relaxed environment. But in an Olympic year, I do wonder if that is a factor here, that the European teams might be less willing to travel over here, knowing that not too long after, they're going to have to go to Asia. Yeah, so I I think you might have misspoke twice in that sentence, Sean, but that's okay. It's been a long week. Fredericton getting a Briar or Scotty's, I don't think the base is there for it. But uh, what you said about the Continental Cup, you meant the Continental Cup being a nice relaxed atmosphere uh, vice the Canada Cup. So yeah, the, the Continental Cup is a nice relaxed atmosphere. I don't know. I mean, they've had it in London Ontario a couple times, obviously in Vegas, it's been a big success out West. Uh, they get a lot of attendance. I, I believe having it in Fredericton this year, because it's an Olympic year and that, you know, they've got the extra event with the trials that I think they said, okay, we'll give you this because the attendance isn't really going to matter uh, at, at this event. What's well, a TV show. It, exactly. It, it's a TV show. And Definitely the reason it was canceled is because of those European teams uh, and and Asian teams. Although I think it was going to be Europe against Canada again. That was the plan, yeah. Having those teams come here and then go to the Olympics in China and probably having to quarantine at some point along the way. It's just safer to say, let's not do it. Go right to, to China and do your quarantine if that's what you're going to have to do. Uh, that That's definitely why it was postponed. Yeah, so the question that I'm going to have now is, will those teams, the, the ones who would have participated in the Continental Cup, they would also be eligible for that slam in early January. So are they going to come over for the slam or not? And uh, if they do come for the slam, I, I realize that there's more time in between the slam and the Olympics than the Continental Cup and the Olympics. But that does add to the, the question for me of if they're already in the country uh, how much does that play into it? Will they go straight from Canada to China, especially if you have to quarantine? You Certainly they can get ice pretty much anywhere in the country if they want for practicing prior to heading over to Beijing. So the logistics mm-hmm. of what January is going to look like for those European Olympic teams, that'll be quite fascinating for me to keep an eye on as we head into the new year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, Grand Slam turns into more of a tier two event. Uh, without the foreign teams that are going to the Olympics. Uh, Obviously, not every team from overseas is going to the Olympics, but uh, I could could definitely see that uh, happening. 
So uh, a disappointing day, certainly for the folks in Fredericton. Disappointing for us, too. Uh, I really do like the Continental Cup. I, I, it's so different from everything else. And different is good, I think, uh, given the sameness that we can sometimes get over the course of the curling season. So, uh, you know, RIP 2022 Continental Cup. Uh, hopefully it comes back in 2023. So, Scott, let's move our attention overseas into the Netherlands, where the Olympic qualifying event is ongoing right now. The mixed doubles is taking center stage at the moment. As we speak, the playoff fields are set. Let's start in Group A, where the Australian team has gone through undefeated at 6-0. and They are straight into one of the qualifying games. Russia and Hungary are the other two qualifying teams out of Pool A. Over in Group B, the Americans, they go through 6-0. and They will be joined in the playoffs by Korea and Finland. As we have the field of six who are competing for a couple of spots at the Olympic Games. So the way it'll work is you'll have a crossover where Korea and Hungary will play. Russia and Finland will play. The winners of those games will play the Americans and the Australians respectfully. Uh, And uh, the winner of those games, Scott, they get to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So two spots uh, up for grabs. That's right. Yeah. That's my understanding. Yeah. I think... uh... Pretty exciting times. Uh, if you remember, Sean, back to our predictions, big predictions that we made at the beginning of the season. Sure. Or maybe it was last year. I don't know. <laughs> I predicted that a non-traditional curling power would uh, make the Olympics in the mixed doubles. And yes. uh, it's looking like like it's possible. Uh, we, we've got Australia, as you mentioned, into one of those qualifying games, uh, as well as Hungary uh, playing against Korea tomorrow so i'm gonna be rooting hard for uh or hungary and australia yeah uh, that'll be a lot of fun Uh, so dean hewitt is on the australian team he's the male player along with tally gill uh dean's been around for a while like that's a name that you might be familiar with if if you followed the sport for a while uh over on the other team some of the the folks you might be familiar with uh the korean team it is minji kim the woman playing uh, on that team. Akiyong Lee is her partner there. Uh, on the Russian side, it's Anna Sidorova, who is the woman player, along with Alexei Timofev. So a couple of familiar names there on the Russian side. Of course, the Americans represented by Vicky Persinger and Chris Ply. So there are some teams or some teams who feature individuals who we know from the four-person game. Uh, the Hungarian side, we know them from the mixed doubles world championship last year they've had success they've won a world championship before uh finland you got unikust and akukust so again there's some good teams this is a good field scott yeah it's a very very good field and you know i i as i look through all the names of the those who made the playoffs it is the people who have had some success in the four-person game you know we, we talk about shot making being the most important aspect of mixed doubles and it seems uh, that's true at this event as well, which makes me root a little bit harder for uh, the mixed double specialists uh, from Hungary. That that would be fun if they are able to get in to uh, to that game. But to do that, they would knock out Minji Kim. So I don't know how I actually necessarily actually feel about that, Scott. Yeah, I'd feel fine with it, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see Minji Kim somewhere else. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we will. her career is by no means <laughs> over. 
So like it, Sean, if if Hungary does beat Korea, then we're getting Australia Hungary playoff game for that that spot, and one of those non traditional powers will get in, and that'll be fun. There you Very go. Fun. All right. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's Scott's rooting interest here in the uh, Olympic qualifying mixed doubles event. Let's turn attention to what is going to be going on for the next week or so. The men and the women will be taking to the ice there in Leeuwarden, Netherlands, as uh, the men's and women's Olympic qualifying event will take place. Here at the OQE for the men's and women's, we got three spots at stake. Of course, the other seven spots are accounted for from the six playoff teams from the World Championships last spring and China of course, qualifying as the host in both disciplines. So, Scott, uh, there are some teams here that are very good that will not get through. But let us start on the women's side because I think that is the more interesting side. So you have the Czech Republic skipped by Anna Kubiskova. Estonia, Marie Termon still is not there. So it's Carly Led Salu, who's going to be skipping that team, throwing forth, excuse me, uh, Lisa Terman is going to be skipping. Daniela Jensch, fresh off of her bronze medal at the Euros. Stefania Constantini, a strong performance at the Euros for Italy. They are there as well. Satsuki Fujisawa is there. She'll be throwing forth, and Shinami Yoshida will actually be skipping this team. Bit of a change there. Unjun Kim. Of course, the Garlic Girls are back from Korea. They will be there. Latvia, represented by Santa Bluberga Berzina. Scotland, Eve Muirhead, off of the gold medal at the Euros. And Dilsat Yildiz from Turkey rounds out the nine-team field. Scott, three spots available. I think there are five teams that think that they should get through or would expect to get through at the very least. Uh, th- th- this is This is a really good really strong field yeah it's it it is quite a strong field reading through all these names and and yeah some people are going to be disappointed uh come the end of the week there's three spots available uh if i'm not mistaken on the women's side yep uh as well as on the men's side right three spots so correct uh this is going to be a full round robin and the top team after the round robin will get in the second and third team will play the winner of that will get in, and then the loser of that game will face the fourth place team in a single game to get into the Olympics. All right. So that's, I think, looking at these teams, it's it's even your heads to lose, right? You would think so. Given the way that they performed at the Euros, yeah, I I, I would think so. The second spot, second and third spots, you know, it, it's going to be a battle between Japan, Korea, uh, Germany, and the Czechs. Yeah. Do you agree? I, yeah. No, I totally agree. And with, uh, with, I would weight them about that. Like Japan, Korea in the second tier. Yeah. Uh, then Germany, then the Czech Republic. Yeah. I would just say maybe Daniela Jensch. Maybe she's taken a bit of a, a jump, maybe a, a step up. That was a really good performance at the Euros. She had a pretty good performance at the Worlds last year, too. Uh, you know, I'd put her ahead of, of Constantini in, in Italy and Kubiskova in the Czechs, uh, for that matter. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That, that's my my fourth team. Yeah. So certainly it's going to be interesting to, to see how it plays out. Uh, Estonia is hurt, of course, by Marie Termon not being there. Uh, and Latvia, Turkey, we've seen them before uh, struggle at some of these events to, to rack up wins. So, yeah, I, th- I think we're looking at five teams going for the three 
spots or six yeah, teams, I, six teams, excuse me, going for the three spots. If you want to include the Czechs, uh, you're, you're counting Italy too. I am counting Italy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the Latvian team, I believe that's the team, Sean, that just played at the Euro B and got promoted. Yeah, that would make sense. Yep. I tried to block out our picks uh, with rocks across the. Line, but, uh, <laughs> that, that seems to ring a ring a bit of a, yeah. a bell. So uh, you know it's gonna that's gonna be a fun competition to watch, and I kind of like the format, right? Of yeah, okay. There's three spots: like finish first in the round robin, and you're through. Yep. Yeah, I like it. So yeah. So very, who you got? Who you got? I, I'm gonna go Japan, Korea, and Scotland. I, I don't know if we get an upset here, or even like a minor upset. Well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Sean. I, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Scotland, Japan, and Germany just to be a little different. All right, sounds good. Let's uh, shift over to the men's side. Same thing. You got nine teams here who are competing for three spots. I think there is a slightly bigger gulf here between the top and the bottom of the field. So let's go through the field real quick. You got the Czech Republic skipped by Lucas Klima. You got the Danes, skipped by Mikael Kraus. Of course, we've seen them at the, the past few events that we've talked about that have included European teams. Uh, Kale Kiskinen, the skip of the Finnish side. Next up, you got Germany, represented by Sixten Totsik. Of course, he made his debut at the World Curling Championship back in the spring. And then, of course, the veteran Joel Reiternaz, he is in the field representing Italy after his very good performance at the Euros. Yuta Matsumura representing Japan, trying to get back to an Olympic Games, as is Chang Min Kim representing Korea. And of course, you got the great, the legendary Wouter Goskins representing the Netherlands. And of course, Stefan Walstead rounds out the field for the Norwegians. Scott, I think we have a pretty clear top here, but uh, do you agree with me? Yeah, it's uh, Japan, Norway, Italy in any order. Yeah, yeah. I think I think those have to be the heavy betting favorites, right? Uh, if you're looking for a team that might sneak up, maybe Korea, maybe Germany. Yeah, maybe the we, Danes too. Uh, that's I'd say that's generous. I. Uh, that's why I said maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm going to say no. Okay. But, uh, you know, the Netherlands, we just saw them get relegated at the worlds uh, or at the Euros rather yeah. um, last week. So uh, not so great for them, but that's, uh, I, I think that should be pretty chalky. Yeah, I, I agree. The, there is a, a gap here between the top and the bottom of the field. And yeah, you're right. Sixton told Tatsik he could make a run. Uh, Changming Kim could make a run. But just looking at it, you see those top three and you're like, okay. Uh, especially after what Joel Returnez and the team did at the Euros, you really feel comfortable or confident in their ability. And maybe Norway, who knows? I mean, th that particular version of Norway can be kind of up and down, but you kind of almost are, are betting on the country almost more than the, the people at this point and yeah, for that and they, team. And they showed better at Europeans, I think, than yeah. uh, I was anticipating. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I'll admit, too, that I'm rooting for a, a bounce-back week from Yuta after he really struggled in the bubble in Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. He's a fun, te fun team to watch. Yeah, no question about it. So, uh, Scott, uh, talking about Japan, that leads us into the big controversy, and I'm putting air quotes around the word controversy, that uh, emanated this weekend out of Luarden 
over there in the Netherlands in which some of the broadcasts of the Olympic qualifying event of the mixed doubles games were canceled because of one of the sponsors on the ice. Uh, the sponsor is Easy Toys, an adult toy company that uh, some individuals with the Olympics and uh, I believe NHK, the Japanese broadcaster, who is really big with the World Curling Federation. If you wondered why in the spring, every time you looked at the stream, it was a Japan game. It's because NHK was showing it uh, back in Japan. There was objections to this particular sponsorship, having that on the ice. So the games initially were not shown. So Scott, one, is this a controversy? Two, is this the most fun controversy that we've ever had in the sport? Um, the most fun? Yeah, maybe the most fun <laughs> because it doesn't really like it doesn't really affect the play. Right. You know, if I think back to other controversies of like Broomgate or uh, I don't know, uh, Ben Hebert dumping, <laughs> dumping in front of the stone. Yeah. Uh, that that's sort of like affecting the play on the ice. But uh, this is just weird, uh, weird, wild stuff. Yeah. It's not like Easy Toys is something that you think, oh, yeah, that's obviously sex toys. Right. So I don't know what the big deal is. I guess you could have some kid watching at home and Googling it or something. But even still, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I find I'm finding it hard to watch these games anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. so, well, I, yeah. I I don't really see the big deal. Yeah, and as, just as a side note, uh, if you have a, a an adult toy company, when like easy toy, wouldn't you want it to be like hard toys? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's just a it's a very strange controversy. I, I put out a, I made a joke on Twitter that the people the members of the IOC are probably just upset that they didn't get a gift bag that and get swag yeah then they're kicking up a fuss or something but yeah i, I get it you, you you don't want you know a, a, a seven-year-old who's maybe watching the game and sees easy toys and like oh toys and google it up like yeah you, you don't want that uh i can certainly appreciate any concern associated with that but uh, I, I think this has been a little overblown in not showing it or like, I don't know, because I, I listened to the girls today. They made a good point. That, is curling really in a place to say no to anyone's money? Or, or no, Well, yes, there's so, certain groups that, yes, you certainly say no uh, to their money. But there's nothing inherently wrong or evil about this company, as far as we know. They just manufacture products for adults. Yeah. So for, for 100 years, the Canadian National uh, Men's Championship was sponsored by uh, liquor and cigarettes exactly yeah like, like what's the big that's deal? pretty uh pretty adult i guess yeah yeah well maybe not back like in the 50s where you started smoking when you were 12 <laughs> yeah but yeah i think this is a uh, silly yeah silly but fun fun controversy silly but fun yeah side note uh you know easy toys you always got uh if you want a sponsorship here yeah, we're uh, we're on board. Yeah, we won't say no to that. <laughs> so there you go. So uh, and again, you know, they should have sponsored the bubble. I'll just say that. You know, <laughs> everyone was stuck in the bubble for, like, for months on end. That was your sponsorship opportunity, guys. Uh, kind of missed the boat on that. There you go. All right, uh, all right, Scott. Let's uh, shift things a little closer to home. Where 
the Canadian Senior Curling Championship currently going on in Sault Ste. Marie. I want to thank everybody for getting in touch. I put out a tweet earlier this week about having, as far as I, I couldn't think of anywhere that had the yellow, green, rock combination. And uh, a bunch of people said, no, we have it. And even sent a couple of pictures. So I do appreciate people uh, letting me know that that is not as unusual of a rock color pairing. Apparently there's one here in Ottawa, a club that I have played at many a time uh, that does it. And I thought it was red and green forever, but I I guess I was wrong. So, uh, so that event is taking place in the Sioux. Scott, have you ever played with green and green and yellow? I'm trying to think. I don't remember green. No blue and yellow for sure. Yeah. Red and yellow, yes. Red and blue, yes. I, I can't think of ever playing with green, no. Okay. I know I've definitely played with green before. I, I just didn't think it was with yellow. And I got to say, blue is my least favorite. That that navy blue is my least favorite uh, rock color uh, of any that I've played with. Ooh, navy blue, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. No, Get no it. good. Yeah. All right, uh, so uh, let's just talk about this real quick because... Uh, This field on the women's side in particular is absolutely loaded. You got Cheryl Bernard, you got Marianne Arsenault, you got uh, Teresa Breen, you got Sherry Madai, you got Kim Dolan, and you got the three-time defending champion, Sherry Anderson. You have so many Scotty's appearances here. There might be more Scotty's appearances here at the senior championship than what we'll get in seven weeks at the actual Scotties, even if you include all the Scotties appearances of the people playing that year in the Scotties. Like yeah, if you include I, 2022, it's probably still won't add up to this. Yeah, you might be right, Sean. This is a very, very stacked field. Lots of familiar names. Uh and lots of lots of appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon Cormier is there representing Northwest Territories. Of course she's been to yeah. God knows how many. Um, like it, it's just a really good field here, uh, certainly at the skip level. But if you look at just overall the total fields, uh, who's there, who's playing in it with PI, not only do you get Kim Dolan, but you get the great Kathy O'Rourke as well, who is playing second. So it's just a, an amazing field here. So, uh, so much fun to watch these games. They haven't been streaming the women as much, they're only streaming one sheet. And they're not doing like mm-hmm. men's draws, women's draws. It's sort of mix and match here and there. So mm-hmm. it's it hasn't quite been even, but it's been fun to see the games that we have seen uh, so far. If you're looking at the standings, the teams that we're talking about aren't quite at the top. Uh, well, although Sherry Mada is undefeated as we record this, as is Teresa Breen there in Pool B. Uh, Cheryl Bernard at two and two. Excuse me, Teresa Breen four and one. My apologies. Uh, and then over on the other pool. Kim Dolan, three and two. Sherry Anderson struggling so far at three and two. And uh, Manitoba and Quebec actually top of the table there. Manitoba Mm -hmm. represented by Kim Link. So uh, congratulations so far to them. And uh, we'll have to see who gets into the championship pool. Uh, But they don't send anybody home, Scott. The bottom teams in the pools get to play in the seeding pool. That's right. That's right. So that that split, I think there's one more game or... One or two more draws. There's a draw twelve tonight, and that is it for the uh, for the round robin for the pool play. Yeah. Okay. A couple of big games here too. Like if you look, yeah. uh, Marion Arsenault is playing Kim Dolan. They're both three and two, uh, so that's going to be a big game going forth. You got uh, Cheryl Bernard is playing against uh, Sherry Madaw, uh, and Cheryl Bernard at that two loss points. 
uh, Saskatchewan, Sherry Anderson going up against that undefeated Manitoba team. So uh, certainly a lot at play here as we head into draw 12 this evening. Sean, did you say where this is taking place? In the Sioux, yeah. In the Sioux, excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah, over on the men's side, not quite the same name brand appeal perhaps, but some really good teams here. Uh, some folks you will know, Randy Newfeld is skipping Manitoba, uh, Grant Odishaw for New Brunswick, uh, Peter Mackey, who of course was in the Briar this year representing Nunavut is there. And then of course the big name who you might be familiar with, uh, Brian Cochran representing Ontario. Again, he of course, a 2020 PEI skip in the Briar here back. He has won at least a couple of these uh, out of Ontario. And uh, so he is back. So he's probably the, I would say the favorite in this field so far. And uh, I mean, it's still, it's a re- still, again, really good field, but not quite as much fun as the the women's side in terms of pure name recognition. Right, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the women's field, definitely more name recognition, but uh, some, some names here still. Yeah, and uh, so Brian Cochran, as we record this, has not yet lost yet. He is at five and zero. Oh, so, and back uh, playing for Ontario. Yes. Yeah, you know, you had his sojourn in PEI for the Briar. That's right. <laughs> now he's back to his uh, where he's living. So you can watch those games on the Curling Canada YouTube. Peter Stesky is calling the games with a rotating crew of folks coming in. Uh, including Randy Furby, and they are just going at each other in a in very like tongue in cheek way, but they're going at each other, Scott. Awesome. It's, yeah. that, that's always good to listen to. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's going on. All right. Now, the big news of the week, other than uh, my winning my four straight game, Brendan Botcher and his team made an announcement on Friday night. Uh, the announcement was since amended, uh, but the the point of it, of course, is that Darren Molding is no longer going to be the third for that team. And, of course, they are going to the Briar as Team Canada. Not really much that I think we can add to that side of it. Once a new player is announced, we can talk about what we think the on-ice implication of this is. The, the only real thing that sort of, I, sort of has come to the fore, we joked for years about how the only scenario in which we thought Brendan Botcher and Darren Molding could be friends is through curling and apparently not even that. So, uh, you know, it is unfortunate uh, that this has happened. Uh, the girls mentioned that uh, people had asked them, well, why didn't they get Darren Molding on their show? And they said, well, they're friends with them. And they reached out just to say, Hey, like we hate that this has happened. We hope you're doing okay. And uh, I don't know any of the guys on the team personally. Uh, we had Nevin on the show who runs the social media accounts uh, back mm-hmm. in the fall, I did reach out to him because I know that he's been seeing a lot of the vitriol uh, that's coming in. So I just reached yeah. out to him to say, like, I hope you're doing OK and like try to get away from it if you can. The, the only thing I actually want to say about the, the immediate reaction is, yes, the statement of Friday night was wrong and it shouldn't have gone out. That was a mistake. Uh, it was just factually wrong. So that should not have happened. And the other thing is that the... I don't know why we all need to necessarily like lie about stuff. And when I say that, I'm talking about Curling Canada saying that they changed the time of Brendan Botcher's media availability from Monday to Sunday, citing like work commitments or something. No, like it's because he was talking to everybody else and you wanted to get it. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not dumb. So that, that kind of, I thought was really strange, but 
overall, Scott, I think we have nothing to add to what has been said about the decision itself. But I do want to talk a little bit about the coverage of it and how mm-hmm. the curling media talked about this event. Because I think the first story that I saw was Gregory Strong from CP. Uh, Ted Wyman also from uh, also had a story. He's from the Winnipeg Free Press. Those were the first two stories that had quotes from Darren that I saw. And I apologize if I get that mixed up, but I, I'm pretty sure Gregory Strong was first. Uh, but my apologies to Ted Wyman if, if that's not the case. Uh, but th- they were certainly the first two. And then on Sunday, you had Inside Curling was first with Botcher and Molding. Then you had the Curling Canada press conference. And then you had that curling show. And that was a sequence of events in which we heard from all of the the principals who were in play here. So, Scott, what is your initial reaction to the coverage? Does this say anything to you about the nature of how we talk about and cover curling in this country? It's hard because a lot of the curling media that uh, that we see, you know, at events become friendly with the players and partly it's because the players are nice and the curling media is pretty nice and we all love curling and we all want to get along. Right. That, that said, when something like this happens, I think that the coverage was fair, but I don't know if it was maybe as hard hitting uh, as it could be. Right. That said, what part of the reason that we don't have that many curlers on our show is like, what are they going to say? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah you and I have listened to to sports radio and uh, podcasts for a long time. And it's, it's never the most interesting talking to the player. It's always interesting talking to like the people just beside the players. Yeah. So you can ask Brendan Botcher all the quote unquote hard hitting questions you want. There, there were a few on the press conference, but he just didn't answer them. Right. And I think by not answering the questions they're they're maybe leaving themselves open to, more criticism than if they had just answered the question and said, yeah, like we didn't get along with Darren and we didn't want to curl with him anymore. Yeah. Cause that's to fair. me that that's, that's what it was and that's yeah. fair. That's fine. But uh, yeah, it, all of it just came across like a little bit. I don't know, I, except for Darren. Cause what does he have to lose? Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell it, tell it like it is. But uh, so from from the point of view of the the coverage of it, the girls I think had it right. Like, what are they going to do? Bring Darren Molding on their show just to to let him air his grievances and then not follow up with the other side? Like, they're they're friends. Like, that's not right. That that's not really fair. Like, to to do that on their outlet. So 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 good on them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that. <sighs> Anytime that there was a, a question that I thought, oh, that's an interesting question. I wonder how they'll answer it. it Brendan Botcher said nothing. Right. Yeah. And and so I think there's a fine line that has to be walked because the curling media in this country, it's small and it's small for a reason when you compare it certainly to hockey media, but there's mm-hmm. even more basketball writers uh, in this country. And certainly the CFL has a lot more writers than, than what you get for curling. Uh, and part of that seasonality is that not that much happens in the summer with, with regards to curling. So it's hard to employ people full time on it. But what what struck me is that the the most prominent individuals who are, are involved in the curling media, I, I I didn't get that full 
journalistic element from some of the discussions that were had that Kevin Martin, his kids on the team, right? (laughs) So, and going, and and I I think to Kevin Martin's credit, I could not tell where he stood on this issue. I I, I genuinely couldn't. And I think that is to Kevin Martin's credit. And uh, a little bit the same with Warren Hanson. I got a sense of where Jim stood. But, uh, you know, those two guys, I thought they did a pretty good job of just asking the question. Not a lot of follow-up on that discussion, I I didn't think. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. again, but that's fine. They're they're both curlers. They're not journalists. So uh, I, I I thought that one was fair enough. Ask the question. Let them say their piece. Don't. They, they didn't try to like fact check anything. They didn't really follow up on them uh, with mm-hmm. anything. And that's fine. They, they asked, I thought, fair questions and the guys gave their answers. And then with the CBC, with with what Devin Haru did uh, and Colleen Jones did, that that was more conversational. That wasn't, I felt more, that wasn't really interview-esque to me. That was more just, hey, we're talking about what happened. And certainly Colleen Jones has a very interesting perspective on this. She's been around the sport forever. She said the first time she was cut, I think she said like it was 1987 or something. So she's been through this a number of times. So she has a perspective. I I thought the conversational side of it made sense. But again, you're not getting a lot of follow-up to what's being said and, and where there are some inconsistencies. And I don't know if we necessarily need that for curling. Is it high profile enough that that you need that level of scrutiny uh, in the press? I don't know. Uh, but the the main concern, though, is that if there is some question that Darren Molding has about the finances of the team, then, again, I don't know if it's necessarily a media member's job to really push that and try to, to get into that. But it would have been nice to have that addressed in a more fulsome manner uh, over the course of those discussions, in in my opinion. I don't think any of the discussions that were out there, so that curling show or inside curling, I don't think they were bad uh, by any means. I don't want it to come across as a criticism. It just made me wonder of, you know, I I don't think we have like an investigative journalist into curling, uh, which is probably good because it hopefully means there's nothing to investigate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But, but it just, I don't know. It just, it just made me wonder about what the, the landscape is and partly how we fit into it. Cause we're not journalists either. We have our little niche. You know, the girls have their niche, Warren Hansen and Kevin Martin have their niche. Kevin Palmer has his, uh, Ryan and Jonathan have their, like everyone I think in the space, in, in the audio space uh, has mm. theirs. Uh, and then, which is separate from what, Ted Wyman and Gregory Strong do, which I think is very separate from what Twine Time does. It, uh, just the overall landscape that we have uh, in this country. And it ha- if you want to include, include 12th End uh, and, and the guys in the States who do a really good job down there too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. we all sort of play to different strengths and are looking at different things within the sport. And I think that's okay. Uh, it's just a question of when news hits, like hard news hits and questions need to be asked like who who who's doing that and who's at the forefront of it and that's sort of what just struck me uh, this weekend yeah that's that's fair and i i think i mean to give some credit to devin haru and uh the work that he's done you know in profiling somebody like fred cooey bringing that story to the larger media landscape you know i think he does a good job in in that role sort of highlighting things that maybe we didn't know yeah he's uh, a great he's a great I, storyteller there's no, yeah, that's there's no question great, there's no question great, about that 
great storyteller when it comes to yeah like you know they asked brennan botcher about money about how the the funds are divided and he said the funds on our team are divided four ways and he said that many times and that to me was like okay that's all he's going to say about it he didn't say evenly he doesn't have to right um i think the only people that really really need to see how teams are spending or allocating their funds are maybe the sponsors maybe curling canada but definitely the members of that team yeah so you know the the question was asked which i think is good but we weren't going to get an answer from brendan botcher on that question like the, just he was just not going to answer it so and he you didn't. know you try yeah. you try he didn't and then you go from there but yeah. uh yeah, I think, you know, like a lot of ink has been spilled on this issue already. And um, I'm not sure we have much more to add. No. So so let's talk about, though, the business of curling when it comes to these teams, because as more and more mm-hmm. money is, is coming in, the business side of it is important. And, and the question, of course, who does have a right to know where the money is going? Right? D- Darren made a comment on one of the interviews, too, about everything would go through credit card in Brendan Botcher's name. So hotels, flights, all that would be paid for there. And so he gets the benefit of that, like points, miles, all that kind of points, stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he made the comment that that wouldn't have been split. And okay, like, fine. Like, it's like a corporate credit card in that sense, I guess. But it, it does lead to the question of like, who is accountable to whoever's running the books for a team? And obviously the four players on the team have to know what it is. But then you have this other question of a lot of teams get money from Sport Canada through Heritage Canada. So that is public yeah. money. Their Curling Canada has money uh, that is given out on the podium uh, money that is available. So you know when you're a carded athlete with a Sport Canada, it does lead to some other questions uh, in terms of the finances. So for as much as I think you, you really got the sense on the inside curling stuff that Warren Hanson really wants there to be GMs. God, he wants yeah. there to be GMs. Like this is his yeah. like holy grail of curling. It almost feels like. I, I think what you need more is, and I don't. I, I'd be curious to know what teams do for the finances. Do they just have an accountant who runs the books for them, and then you avoid this and you have here's the accountant and he shares something after every event. Here's what was spent. Here's what came in. Uh, here's what's allocated from the sponsorship money for this particular event. You know, I, I would hate to think that this can become a regular occurrence that a business dispute over, and that's not to say this is the only thing at play here, but mm-hmm. that that business disputes can break up really good teams. That I I, I don't want to get to that point. Uh, I really want where business and the finances being at least a a, a major role in a team's demise that this is a one-off. I, I really want that to be the case. Well, I, I think that's maybe living in a bit of a, yeah, a European it world there, Sean. But uh, Scott, because... I've shared every dollar that I've ever made from curling has been shared equally with my teammates. <laughs> I will say that. Congratulations. I can say that definitively. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think this was going to happen no matter what, right? This mm-hmm. was going to be, this is going to be an issue for some people some of the time. So yeah. they like from the beginning of time, people are going to get into disputes over money. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, $500,000 or $5. Sure. So 
I, I don't think we've seen the end of that. Not that this is one of those events, as you say, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it it's a shame that the business has to come into it, but business of sport is, you know, a, a big topic. And yeah. uh, uh, we've got to remember that, that these guys don't have, you know, the organizational structure. And, and Brendan brought it up too, that like, they don't have, I mean, they have media training, but they don't have, you know, PR people working full-time on that. Yep. So that, you know, that, that's something else that can be considered when, you know, a mistake is made. Like, as you say, this was a mistake to put this uh, statement out mm-hmm. on Friday night. Uh, and he owned it, that it was a mistake. Yep. But remember, like, they don't have thousands of, a, t- a team of hundreds, you know, working no. behind the scenes to make sure their messaging is right. Right. So. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so there. So there. The that's. Uh, I think that's all we have to say about that. Uh, we, and you know, I, again, I'll recommend if you haven't listened to the Inside Curling or to that Curling show, uh, they both did a good job with it. So uh, you know, I, go watch those. Uh, you can hear from the guys themselves about what's going on. So that's sort of our two senses, sort of more from a, a macro sense of of what this means. Because the breakup itself is not surprising. All the teams are going to break up. Like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of Inside Curling, they were going through and like, oh, this team might break. And they pretty much listed every team in the country every because, team. like, yeah. yeah, every team in the country is going to break up. Brad Gushu, I thought, interestingly, after the trials, gave an interview where he talked about they might play in the Newfoundland playdowns to try to get to the Briar because essentially they know that this would be their last chance to do it and go yep. have fun and there you go so i thought that was kind of an interesting take on that yeah i uh i, I read about that too that that would be pretty crazy right that uh, crazy schedule depending on yeah. you know when they have to get over there the all the commitments around being the olympic team yeah it would be it would be crazy like it's not a guys it's not a good idea uh <laughs> if, if you want to go and have like a victory lap at the briar like yeah go have a victory lap at the briar just do it in the patch yeah. You know, fill your boots, fellas. Have a good we, time. We all know uh, Benny Hebes was there after Korea yeah. in 2018. Yeah. Probably making new teams, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, they should be there <laughs> for the new teams uh, being formed. Yeah. You don't want to miss that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, Scott, last thing here tonight as we record, uh, the Lou Marsh Award was awarded earlier today. That goes to Canada's top athlete as voted on by a panel of distinguished sports journalists. Damian Warner, the world record holder, no, Olympic record holder in the decathlon wins as Canada's top athlete for the year after his very impressive gold medal at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. He won the bronze at the Games in 2016. Of course, the Olympic decathlon champion is widely regarded by the country of the person who won it as the world's greatest athlete. Uh, So Damian Warner, congratulations to him. But Scott, I am old enough to remember getting yelled at for suggesting that Rachel Holman would not be in consideration for the Lou Marsh Award after she won the Grand Slam in the spring. And uh, by noting that, hey, it's an Olympic year and it's uh, April. So uh, so she was not in consideration. There was a short list of folks that included uh, several Olympians, including Maggie McNeil. And then uh, Vlad Jr. was also on that list uh, as well. Mm. So Scott, no curler has ever won 
the Lou Marsh Awards. So if we were to have a Lou Marsh type award for curling, who would win for 2021? Well, my my initial gut feeling would be Rachel Homan, given what she did in the circumstances in which she did yeah. them. The trials performance, I think, I think takes her off the table for that. Okay, you know, if they had, if they had even made the finals at the trials, uh, I I probably would have given it to her. Can can we say Brad Gushu winning? The Olympic trials, winning the Canadian mixed doubles, uh, finishing uh, what third at the Briar—that's mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Lot, lots of Grand Slams. Yep, I think that would be my pick. Okay, Brad. Yeah, so I wrote down here: it's either Carrie Anderson or Brad Gushu. Uh, I yeah. think it's one of those two. Uh, they, of course, won the mixed together. Carrie Anderson with the Scotties getting into the World Championship, having that insane week. Uh, things getting like all over the place, still in the bubble and, and but being able to qualify Canada for the Olympics. Yeah. So it's either Carrie Anderson or Brad Gushu, I think uh, for a Canadian a winner of that event or of that potential award. I can't think of anyone else. I mean, Rachel Holman would be a good choice uh, given that she won the slam final, the other slam after having the baby getting to the final of the Scotties while pregnant, certainly a very impressive year for Rachel Holman. But uh, mm-hmm. I think those other two, just because just they won, might put it a little yeah. over the top for me. And, and I might lean more to Carrie Anderson because I think what she did was done under more difficult circumstances. Yeah, the time spent in the bubble. Yeah. That's fair. I think I would go Gushu just because of what he added at the end of the year. Yeah. That's with a, the trials performance. Yeah. Uh, and they were dominant, certainly, uh, over mm-hmm. the course of the bri- or, or of the, the trials. Excuse me. So uh, if you think somebody else does, would deserve that, I don't know. Like I, I hate naming stuff after people, but what would it be? The Ken Watson Award? Yeah. I like the Ken Watson Award. We'll call it the Warren Hansen Award. <laughs> we call it the Warren Hansen Award. Sure. Uh, not yet. Don't you have to be... Uh, it helps dead? if you're dead to be have things named after you? It does. But I had a teacher, Scott. You would have had her as... I don't know if you ever had her, but where we went to high school, there was a teacher who donated money for a scholarship. And she called it the Betty Tamas Pre-Memorial Award. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Tamas. Yeah. Mrs. Tamas. Yeah. yeah. And then when she dies, so it'll just be the memorial where I have to just drop the pre. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I think I think maybe we'd have to call it like the Richardson Award. Okay. Interesting. Ernie because Richardson? Because then it could, it could be after any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, or we could just call it like we call it the Tartan Award. Yeah, there's yeah, tartans good. in every curling facility across the country. Yeah, yeah, not not bad, not yeah. bad. There's some there are some options there. Uh, or, let us know. Let us know what uh, the listeners. Yeah, think well, what we should call. I'll put it. Maybe I'll put up a Twitter poll too, and you can let us know uh, what yeah. we should call uh, the curling equivalent of the Lou Marsh Award, which also people want to change. I don't know much about Lou Marsh, other than I believe he was a sports writer, but uh, I've seen there's a bit of a groundswell to get his name off of that award uh, as well so I see. uh so yeah so there you go but congratulations to damian warner for a a well-deserved honor uh yeah decathlon that's uh that's 10 sports so in two days those people are insane yeah that's that yeah i guess that's pretty well deserved yeah uh in in a thousand degree heat in tokyo um wow yeah. good, good job good job by him so uh so that's that scott uh, it's it's been a wild week wild week we got through it 
but uh, you know, we'll we'll take solace in watching some of this Olympic qualifying that's going on the next couple of days. Yes, uh, so a lot going on. We will have Olympic qualifiers for the mixed doubles, perhaps by the time you listen to this, and then the full men's and women's four-person teams are taking off later in the week. So we will be following along, and we hope that you will join us by subscribing to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that other fun stuff. Helps other people find the show, helps keep us growing. Of course, you can also Follow us on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We will have fun and frivolity. Hopefully, it's all fun and frivolity from this point. Uh, no more serious stories for a while. That would be great. <laughs> and uh, do head on over, of course, to GameofStonesPod.com where you can find all of our past episodes plus a link to the merch. Scott, I fell asleep last night in my Game of Stones hoodie because it was so warm and cozy on a very cold night here in the nation's capital. Very good, Sean. Very good. And um, maybe on the next show, we'll have an update of uh, how much we've donated and uh, leading into that uh, Christmas season. I I did make some donations on Giving Tuesday in order that they be matched and doubled. Terrific. Yeah. So if uh, if you go and buy something, we are sending all the proceeds to uh, Food Banks Canada for the T-shirts, everything else to the Sandra Smirler Foundation, and we are matching uh, whatever those proceeds are it's for those. And yeah, we'll give an update on our next episode as to what the totals are. And uh, we thank everybody who has already bought something. Uh, and as we always like to say, if you don't want to buy something, just want to donate to either those organizations or to a local organization, uh, you're not going to hear any argument from us. Mm-mm. And if you want to let us know, though, what you want to hear on the show, or if you have ideas for other merch that you might want to get in support of the Sandra Smirler Foundation or Food Banks Canada, Reach out, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. So, Scott, that's it. It's snowing right now in Ottawa, but the forecast says it's going to be 10 degrees on Saturday, and I am very confused. It's almost like the climate's changing. Yeah, it's weird, wild stuff. Yeah. So, I uh, hope everyone is doing well where you are, especially to our friends out there in BC. I uh, hope that everyone is safe and doing as well as possible out there. So, uh, sending our best, but uh, thanks, everybody for listening as i said we'll be back with you again very soon but until then keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern make the final